Merry Christmas. Let's get your Bibles and uh, turn to Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2. We're going to look at a familiar verse, and then we're going to go outside the box here this afternoon. We've been in a, in a Christmas series called All is Bright. And we've been talking about how God sent Jesus into the darkness of our world to be a prophet, to be a priest. And this afternoon we're going to talk about the fact that he sent Jesus to be our king. Now in the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew, who actually presents Jesus as a king, he, he tells us that when Jesus was born, wise men from the east came following a star. And when they came, they asked a question. The question was, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. So you have powerful men who have come from great distances, hundreds and hundreds of miles, who, guys who have great influence, who had a lot of wealth, and they come to worship a child who was born the king of the Jews. How did they worship him? Well, when they walked into the house, and we need to remember at this point, Jesus is probably about two years old, they walk into the house and they see the, the little boy, they see Mary, and they fall down on their feet, Matthew tells us, and they offer him gifts of, of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Th- those were gifts that you would give a king. They would be fitting for a king. When the Son of God stepped down from his throne in heaven and he put on human flesh and then he became the, 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 the God in human form in our lives, the Bible says he came as a king. He came as the king of the Jews. He came as the king of the universe, the king of mankind, the king of glory. And one day the whole world will recognize him as the king of kings and the Lord of lords. But when this young king came to earth, even though the wise men were following a bright star because it, they believed it was going to lead them to where the child lived, which it, which it did, all was not bright in the world. For well over 500 years, the the Israelites had been occupied and ruled by one oppressive king after the next, one oppressive nation after the next, from the Babylonians to the Persians, from, to the Greeks to the Syrians, and then you get into uh, a couple more groups, and then to the Herods, who were overruled and, and, and ruled by the Romans. And so Israel longed once again to be ruled by a king from amongst their own people, Israel was ready for a conquering, mighty, powerful king. They, they were ready for their God to live up to his prophetic word that a king would eventually come from amongst the, the Jews to deliver them from their darkness and their oppression and, 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 the, and he would rule and reign forever over them and he would defeat all of their enemies. However, when Jesus came to earth, he wasn't the king the Israelites expected. Now, he, he, he wasn't the strong ruler and the mighty warrior they had been waiting for. When, God sent a baby. They wanted a military hero who would, who would ride in maybe on a white horse and, w- and would save the day. But we're very familiar with the story of this baby, this man, this king. He, he grew up in the, in the home of a, of, of a young woman by the name of Mary. His earthly father was a carpenter by the name of Joseph. He, he followed in his father's footsteps of being a carpenter. And eventually he was viewed by people and his followers as a, as a religious teacher. They actually called him rabbi. He did miracles. He spoke in parables. And even though he stated that he came to deliver the people of Israel from spiritual darkness, the vast majority of the Jews were not interested in, in what he had to say because they wanted a king who would, 
flex his muscles and show his strength. They wanted a superhero. They wanted a king who had fire in his eyes. They, they want one who, when he spoke, it would be like, it would be like thunder, who would cause the, the Israelites and all of their enemies to literally shake in their boots. They wanted a deliverer. They wanted a conqueror. They wanted an overcomer. They wanted one who would help them overcome their oppression that was being put on them by the Herods and the Romans. And when Jesus came, he just didn't fit the bill. And so as a result of that, they rejected him, they denied him, and they eventually killed him by hanging him on a cross, and then they buried him in a borrowed tomb. But you know the story, don't you? Jesus defeated the cross, and he conquered the grave. And when he did, he provided deliverance for all of mankind from the consequences of sin, and he made a way for every person who has ever lived to have an opportunity to have eternal life. Here's how Jesus described it himself to his own disciples in, in John chapter 16, verse 33. Knowing that his followers were going to be persecuted for, for, for their faith and knowing that they were about to enter into a world that was going to be a very tough, dark place for them to live, Jesus says this. He says, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace and in the world, he says, you're going to have tribulation, you're going to have trouble, you're going to have some problems, you're going to encounter some darkness, but take heart, be courageous, be brave because I've overcome the world. You see, Jesus accomplished exactly what God sent him to earth to do. He stepped into the darkness of our sinful world to set us free from the oppression that Satan and sin have over us, and he became our overcoming king. And so this afternoon, here's the good news of the gospel. Don't miss this, please. Because Jesus defeated the consequences of sin, which is death, and because he victoriously conquered the grave, today he offers deliverance and forgiveness of sin. He offers victory over Satan and all of his band of demons. He offers you today eternal life for anyone who will put their faith and their trust alone in Jesus Christ to be their personal Lord and Savior. Today, this overcoming King Jesus offers every man, every woman, every student, and every child that is in this place today an opportunity opportunity to become an overcomer. Well, listen. And listen, I know it's Christmas Eve. I'm going to turn you loose. Let's clap. Let's get into it this, this afternoon, okay? Because this is not just a normal Sunday morning, nine o'clock. This is one o'clock Christmas Eve. Y'all have had breakfast, lunch, and hopefully a Starbucks or some concoction of coffee somewhere. If Dunkin' Donuts, homebrew, whatever, whatever you got going on there. Well, listen, if there was ever a time that we needed a king in our lives in this world, I would, I would say it was today. If we ever needed an overcomer to help us to overcome, I'd say that day is today. Because when you look at our country and you look at our world, I mean, from almost every perspective, it seems like things are falling apart. This last year has been a, a dark time for our world. We, we've seen, not just past year, but over the last several years, we've seen terrorist attacks. We've watched over the last... Uh, Several months, historic floods in our nation. We've watched wildfires destroy homes and businesses in East Tennessee, literally taking people's lives. There's wars going on all over our world. We're witnessing genocide right now in the Middle East. People are being pushed out of their homes and their own countries in the millions. The refugee crisis in our world is literally at its tipping point. We've just come out of a political election that has produced protesting and rioting and has exposed, I think, deep, deep division in our nation. But again, in the midst of all of that, Jesus says, take heart. Because all is bright because I've overcome the world. And then he makes it personal to us in 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5, John writes this. 
For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. So in other words, if you're a Christian tonight, you're an overcomer. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. Your faith, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? John writes that because of your faith in Jesus as your Savior, you are an overcomer this afternoon. You're an overcomer not just in this world physically and emotionally, but you're an overcomer in this world spiritually. And not just in this world, but in the world to come. Now, here's the sad truth this afternoon. Many of you are in this room today and you're not experiencing the truth that I just laid out. Even though many of you in this room have at some point in your life, you have received Jesus as your personal Savior, you are not living your life today as an overcomer. You're not experiencing God's overcoming power in your life. You maybe, maybe you're not experiencing in your marriage. You're not experiencing it as you raise your children in your health. You're not experiencing in your relationships. Maybe some area of sin has a hold on you. I mean, the, the, the Bible says that legally you're an overcomer, but you're really not experiencing that reality personally. You're an overcomer that is not overcoming. Your legal status is not matching, matching your personal relationship. And so today, in your life, things seem a bit dark. Things do not seem bright at all. We talk about, this series is called All is Bright. Things aren't bright in your world. Well, I have good news for you this afternoon. God wants every one of you in this room today to be an overcomer. Not just in legal status, not just in legal standing, not just in position, not just in words, but also in experience. So what does it mean to overcome? Let me give you a definition of the word overcome. Overcome means to overrule a sin or a set of circumstances that are an illegitimate part of your life. They shouldn't be there. They're overcoming you. And God wants to give you daily ongoing power to overrule and have authority over the sin and the illegitimate set of circumstances that are currently controlling your life. He sent his son Jesus into the world to be an overcoming king so that you would live an overcoming life. So you may be asking yourself the question right now, okay, Brian, I hear what you're saying, but I'm not overcoming. Matter of fact, I'm struggling I feel like I'm in a stalemate between me and God. It's like I'm stuck. I'm, it, it, maybe things aren't dark, but things are bleak. Things are kind of gray. I mean, I, or maybe, maybe for some of you, you're here and sin literally has you by the throat and you feel like you're just barely breathing. Well, in order for you to become an overcomer, here's what I want you to know, and don't miss this now. There has to be a link made between your state and your standing, between your position and your practice, between your legal status and what you're experiencing literally. You say, how do I do that? Well, to understand the key to becoming an overcomer in whatever area of your life that needs overcoming, we have to begin to look at Jesus differently. Let me say that one more time. In order to understand the key to becoming an overcomer in what area of your life that needs, you need to become an overcomer, you need to look at Jesus differently. Now, we're going to look at a, at a very different Christmas passage this afternoon. The book of Revelation. I promise you, you've probably never heard a Christmas Eve service out of the book of Revelation. But here we go. Ready? Revelation chapter 1, the Apostle John. He is writing on the island of Patmos, and he's writing a letter to the seven churches in Asia. 
And John actually introduces us to this concept of Jesus being a prophet, priest, and king. And then in verse 8, Jesus begins to speak to John. And Jesus says this, I'm the Alpha, I am the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, I'm the Almighty. And then God shows John a vision, and then Jesus tells John, okay, I want you to write down exactly what I'm about to show you. I'm about to show you something that is going to blow your mind, and you, I want you to write it down to the, to the detail, to the letter of, of everything you see. Verse 12, then I turned, John says, then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me. And on turning, I saw seven golden lampstands, and in the midst of the lampstands, one like the Son of Man, clothed with a long robe, with a golden sash around his chest. The hairs of his head were white, like white wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze, refined in a furnace, and his voice was like the roar of many waters." And in his right hand he held the seven stars. From his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword. And his face was like the sun shining in full strength. And when I saw him, John says, he says, I fell at his feet as though dead. But he laid his right hand on me saying, fear not. I am the first and the last. I'm the living one. I died and behold, I am alive forevermore. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. Now. What exactly did John see? He didn't see a picture of baby Jesus in a manger. He didn't see Jesus as a young carpenter. He didn't see Jesus as a a young man in his 20s or in his early 30s in his earthly ministry, all calm and meek and mild. He didn't see him as a teacher. He didn't see Jesus hanging on a cross, giving his life for our sins. He He didn't even see Jesus walking around after the grave. No, he saw Jesus as Jesus is right now. As Jesus is right now in his present state, an overcoming king. So listen, in order for you to live your life as an overcomer and to be the person that has authority over sin and authority over the circumstances that are currently burying you, you're going to have to begin to see and relate to Jesus in, a, in, what, in the way that John saw him. Now what did John see? He saw Jesus in his present state. He saw Jesus, the king, who has conquered death and grave, the one who holds in his hands the key to death and, and, and to hell. He saw Jesus with eyes on fire. Now, I know some of you are going, Brian, you're scaring the kids. When your kids go to the store and they want you to buy an action figure, do you go buy them Bruce Wayne? No, you buy them Batman. Do you ever buy your kid Clark Kent? No, you go buy him Superman. This is who Jesus is right now. As we're sitting here today in this service, this is what Jesus looks like right now. This is who he is right now. See, here's a problem that so many people are dealing with. How do you currently relate to Jesus? Let me explain what I'm talking about. Over the last several weeks, um, and I'll tell you how I came up with this message because some of you are going, what? This is not your normal Christmas message. I decided to ask a bunch of people in our church, in my family, friends, staff members. I asked them a question. I said, when you think of Jesus, how do you see him? In other words, when when you see yourself like talking with him, when you're you're sitting down having a quiet moment, spending time with Jesus, what's the image that you see? What, What does he look like? How does he act? Describe him to me. 
I've had so much interesting feedback on that question. And so much of it, it it's, it's been interesting. It's not so much about how we see him, but it's instead what we want him to be. Some of you, and this is just my asking people, you want Jesus in the manger, the sweet baby Jesus, the one that you can, you know, hold, hold you know, you can, you can cuddle in a blanket. You want the silent night, holy night Jesus. Others of you, and this was actually a lot of, a lot of people. So, some want Jesus as the soft, gentle, meek, calm, mild type Jesus, the, the one that's always there to hold you and comfort you. Now, I had a lot of guys tell me, listen, I want the wise, confident, I want strong man, I want a man's man Jesus. I want the Jesus that will sit down and give me great advice, but the, the one that would also go out and play tackle football with me. Now, I was, away, I was amazed by how many different answers I got about how people see Jesus and how they literally, how they want him to be. And it's interesting because I found the whole experience somewhat ironic. Because if you think about it, back when Jesus came to earth, the Jews wanted the Jesus that John saw sitting on the throne. But what they got was a baby. What we want is we want the baby. We want the gentle wise, kind Jesus. And listen, don't misunderstand me. He's all of those things. He is the baby. He is the wise counselor. He is, he is the prince of peace, the mighty God, the wonderful counselor, the everlasting father, the one that Isaiah promised would come. He's all of those things the Bible describes him to be. And, but listen, he's so much more. He's, he's, he's more than that. And this is the good news. The Jesus that's going to help us overcome our sin and the circumstances that are burying us right now, the Jesus that, 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 that is going to bring you out of darkness and into light is the present day Jesus, the one that's sitting on the throne of heaven. Listen, listen to how John described him. John says, when I saw this Jesus, his hair was white like wool, like snow. When I, when I saw this Jesus, his, his, his eyes were on fire. When he spoke, it was like, like the roar of waters, like, like the oceans thundering. We said, when I saw this Jesus, he said, I fell down like a dead man walking. See, what, what, what John saw was not, a, was not baby Jesus. It wasn't Jesus the teacher. It wasn't Jesus on the cross or even Jesus walking out of the grave. This was Jesus in his current state. This was overcoming Jesus. So when John is writing, listen, understand, Jesus is already dead. He's already, he's already died. He's already rose from the, from, from the grave, and he's already gone to heaven. What he sees is Jesus in charge. He sees the Jesus that is controlling the world. This, this Jesus is the one that has complete authority over heaven, hell, and the earth. Now, here's the thing. If you're not relating to that Jesus, you're not relating to the overcoming Jesus. Do you understand what I'm saying here this afternoon? You're, you're relating to a Jesus as you may want him to be, but not Jesus as he really is. In Colossians chapter 2.15, the apostle Paul tells us, that in this way, he, being Jesus, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. Now, I, I heard Tony Evans, one of my favorite pastors, Tony Evans, uh, pastor in Dallas, te Texas, talk about this one time. And I, I love the way he illustrated it. And uh, listen, I, I can't preach like Tony Evans, but I'm going to do my best to, to, to just make it my own here. If you were to walk up to me with a gun and you started ordering me around, I'd pretty much do what you asked me to do. 
If you told me to go stand over there in that circle, I'd go over there. If you told me to go over there and sit down on the floor or on the steps, I, I would go over there and sit down. If you told me to go play the keyboard back there, I don't know, I have any clue how to play the keyboard. I'd be back there trying to play some, some Mozart. I mean, if, if you had a gun on me, you would be in charge. You would have authority over me. When you told me to move, I would move. However, if I ever discover somehow that there are no bullets in your gun, well, that changes everything, doesn't it? That, that cha- if I ever discover that you are, have been controlling me with an empty weapon, listen, this jacket that you don't see me wear very often is coming off. I know, I know some of you don't know this. Listen, I, till about the age of four, from birth to four, I grew up in downtown Detroit. If you go back to where I used to live, it's scary. I'm, I'm, so so you're, you're most impressionable about from the age of birth to five. I mean, there are things that are, that are put in you that the foundation is laid. So what you need to know about me is I've got some hood in me. I don't know what percent, but, it, but it's gangster. Straight up G. So if you're coming at me with an unloaded gun, we're going to tangle. Listen. The reason, the re, Paul says Jesus disarmed the rulers and the authorities. He, expo, he actually exposed them and put them to shame. But the reason that Satan still seems to defeat us is because he makes us think that he still has bullets in his gun. But what Jesus did on the cross disarmed him. He took away his authority over you. So now if you're trapped in sin and you're struggling with circumstances that are illegitimate, that are bearing you, you are being held by deception. Satan's still trying to hold on to you with something that looks real, that feels real, but it's a scam. Here's the reality. Because of our overcoming king, Romans chapter 8 verse 37 says, no, 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 in all of these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. John 16, 11 tells us that Satan has lost his power over us and he actually now stands condemned. That's his sentence. And so here's the truth this afternoon. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you serve a mighty, all-powerful, overwhelming, overcoming king. And he's decreed upon you the title of overcomer. That's your legal position in God's kingdom. But it gets better. He's also given you the tools and the power and the authority to overcome every sin and every illegitimate circumstance that currently has you stalled out, that has you overwhelmed, or has you buried, or has you stuck. Now, some of you are sitting there thinking, i got to have this. How do I get this overcoming power in my life? Because things are not bright in my life. Matter of fact, things are dark. Here's a chain. Here, here's the answer. A change has to be made in your life right now and right here. A change has to be made in your life right here, right now. You have to start relating to the overcoming Jesus as he is and now how you may want him to be or the box that you put him in or how you've molded him or even how you want him to be. See, the Jesus that we're dealing with now has defeated sin. He's conquered death and he's ruling the world and the affairs of your life from the throne of heaven. So how can I, how can I have this overcoming power? Because, because some of you are going, I don't, I don't want to be overcome any longer. Well, turn to another great Christmas passage, Revelation 12, 11. Here's what it says about those who overcame. 
It says they overcame him because of the blood of the lamb and because of the word of their testimony, and they did not love their life even when faced with death. Now, with death. now listen, this one verse will shift how you relate to Jesus. And as you shift how you relate to Jesus, he will begin to shift how he relates to you. The overcomers that John talks about here in Revelations chapter 12, he said there were three things that they had in place. Number one, they overcame him by the blood of the lamb. John writes about the blood of the lamb. What does that mean? It means that the blood that was shed on the cross 2,000 years ago is relevant to your life right now here today. Now, for a lot of people in our world, this is in their mind, just a historical event or maybe, you know, that has no relevance today. Either either took place or didn't take place. Bottom line is they deny that Jesus went to the cross to die for the sins of the world. But for many other people, and this is probably where so many fall into this category, the cross and the blood is relevant because you believe that Jesus died for your sins and you've accepted him as your savior. And because of that, you're saved and you're going to heaven. And that's true, but, but, but you're not overcoming See, the folks that John is writing about in Revelations 12, they're overcoming by the blood in the present. They're not just overcoming because the blood worked 2,000 years ago. They're overcoming because the shed blood still has power today. You see, when Satan is trying to deceive you and defeat you and destroy you, what you do is you go back to the cross and you remind yourself and you remind Satan that on the cross, Satan was disarmed, he was defeated, and he was publicly embarrassed. He was rendered powerless over your life. You remind yourself that the blood bought bought your freedom from sin when it was shed and that God applied that to your sin debt when you believed in Jesus to be your Savior and it's still covering your account to this day. And you remember that when Jesus died and he rose from the dead, you remember what he said in Matthew chapter 29, verse 18? He said, listen, all all authority now in heaven and on earth has been given to me. In other words, he's in charge. He's the one calling the shots. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb. (laughs) Woo! This suit makes me feel like an old school Baptist, by the way. I just want you to know that. So I just kind of... They overcame him by the word of their testimony. Some of you are going to ask me to wear a suit every Sunday. I'm just going to tell you it's not going to happen. They overcame him by the word of their testimony. Now, I want to shoot straight with you for a moment. If you're a secret agent Christian, you're not going to be experiencing overcoming. If you're a 007, FBI agent, CIA, KGB, whatever... if, that, if you're an undercover Christian, you're not going to be overcoming. If, if, you're, if you're here to worship Jesus on Christmas Eve, but he's going back in storage with the rest of your Christmas ornaments on December 26th, you're not going to be an overcomer on December 27th. Listen, present day Jesus is sitting on the throne of heaven, and he has everything within his power. He is defending you right now in front of the Father against the lies and the attacks of Satan. Satan is just trashing you all day long to God. But this Jesus, who, who, who has fire in his eyes, he has given him authority and power. And he's defending you. He's got your back. This, this king has the power to help you overcome any situation that you're in right now. But you have to let him call the shots every day in your life. You have to take your marriage. You have to take how you raise your kids, how you deal with your job, how you deal with your life, how you deal with your friendships. And you have to let him be the Lord over those things. You can't be a secret agent Christian. It says they overcame by the word of their testimony, by living it out loud, by their, what they did in the baptistry. And then... John says they did not love their life even when faced with death. 
In other words, they overcame because of a love relationship with him. Their love for him was greater than their love for themselves. Their love for him was greater than their love for life. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, he says, I face death every day so I can boast about Jesus. He says, he says I, every day I wake up and I die to myself. I die to myself so Christ can live in me. But listen, that, that's serious love. Paul says, Jesus, you are my life. You are the air that I breathe. Not just once a year, not just twice a year, not just on special holidays. Every day, every moment. There's an understanding that that I'm pursuing a relationship with someone that I want to love more than life itself. And I know some of you are thinking, man, that's a serious commitment. But some of you today have some serious stuff that you need to overcome. A couple nights ago, uh, uh, Tuesday night, my brother Kevin, who's four years younger than me, and he's here at our church, obviously, and and, uh, my niece Kara, who's his daughter, we took my mom up to Nashville uh, to, to celebrate her birthday. I'm not allowed to tell you how old she is, but I will tell you that she was born between the years 1945 and 1947. So if she gets mad, you can tell her. I didn't tell you how old she was. I didn't say the age. But we, we took her up to the Ryman Auditorium. I don't know if you've ever been to that place. It was my first time. That, is, that should be on your bucket list. And we went, we went and saw Amy Grant, Vince Gill Christmas concert. I, I love Vince Gill. And so my mom just had a blast. Well, on the way home, it was a 24-hour trip. On the way home, I'm driving home from Nashville. I'm in my truck. My mom and my, my niece are in the back seat. My brother and I are just talking to each other, coming back on 24. And we're talking about when we were, when we were growing up in Detroit, outside of Detroit, we used to love wrestling, pro wrestling. How many of you grew up loving pro wrestling? All right. How many of you still love it? All right. Tim, I see your hand. Um, we, we had a blast just talking about pro wrestling. But, and when I was younger, I mean, my dad used to, he took my brother and I down to Cobo Hall in downtown Detroit, and we would see some, I mean, so many of our heroes were like Bobo Brazil and Flying Fred Curry and Chief J. Strongbow and, and, the, and Evil Sheik. I mean, all that stuff. We, we loved it. We loved to watch it. Now, I don't mean to ruin Christmas, but I need to let you in on something about pro wrestling, okay? You want to cover your kids' ears, go ahead. It's not real. Everything that happens in that ring has been scripted and pre-scripted before the match ever took place. It's been predetermined. Now, I want you to think about this for a moment. Think about it. I mean, come on, because I know some of you are struggling with what I just said. How does a man, how does a man who is against the ropes, who's been beaten to a pulp, bloodied up, defeated, staggering, ready to be pinned, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, get the energy to, to just turn it around, flip it over, and all of a sudden, you're, not, you're like, he's on top and... He's the winner of the match. How does that happen? Because at the beginning of the match, the wrestling promoter already declared and decided who the winner was going to be. And this afternoon, you might feel like you're being thrown around. You might feel like you're being body slammed. You might feel like you're being drop kicked. You may be feeling like you're being power bombed or DDT'd or whatever it is or elbow smashed. You may feel like Satan is owning you and, having, and sin is having its way with you, that, that the circumstances of your life are just controlling you. But Jesus Christ on the cross has already prescripted that you are a winner. It's already been pre-description, prescripted that by your relationship with him, you're an overcomer. He's already 
pre-scripted that Satan no longer has control of you over your marriage, over your life, over your children. He's already pre-scripted that sin has lost its power and it's lost its grip on your life. And so, listen, if you are serving an overcoming king, you are an overcomer. And because of that today, you can declare that you're going to overcome in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Now, I want to tell you about this message as I close. I told my wife a few days ago, I've never been more conflicted and convicted about a Christmas message, holiday message of anything I've ever done, the one I just did. And let me tell you why. About two and a half months ago, uh, my wife and I, uh, we moved into temporary housing. And, and uh, so I, we have a dog, a one and a half year old English lab named Gibson, and he has so much energy. Love this dog. And so I just decided to get up early in the morning. Sometimes it's 20, sometimes it's 50, whatever. Today it was, you know, nice. And just walk around this building, getting the energy out, and just to pray for you. To pray for our staff, to pray for our elders, to pray for you, to pray for your marriages, to pray for your kids, to pray for this church, to pray for the 357,000 people that live around us in a 10-mile radius, to pray for the, there's like 12,000-some people that actually call this church their home. They don't come here every Sunday, but this. And as I have been marching around this building wearing my dog out, I have been so burdened by what God has just laid on my heart about what some of you are going through, about some of your marriages, about what some of you are dealing with with your kids. Just this past few weeks, we've had so many people, even this today, having to bury parents, brothers and sisters. And here's the thing. I, I've got 29 years of Christmas messages. I mean, I could talk about the shepherds, the wise men, Jesus, Mary, Joseph, the whole deal. The, the, I love them all. But here's my heart. I want you to be an overcomer next week. I want you to become an overcomer in January when your resolutions wear out. I want you to become an overcomer after Easter when we don't talk about Jesus on the cross any longer. I, I want, or maybe you're not thinking about it. Or I, I want you to become an overcomer in the summer when your kids are out of school or maybe when your marriage starts to take a little twist and turn that you didn't expect or all of a sudden you get health news that you didn't, you didn't, you didn't expect I, or, or your, the financial world, you know, your financial world just bottoms out. I want you to still be an overcomer. That's my prayer. That's my heart for you. That's what I have been praying for this church that you would overcome, overcoming marriage, overcoming raising your children, overcoming life, that you would dig in. But here's the thing. You have to see Jesus as the overcoming king who rules your life, the one with fire in his eyes. When he speaks, the mighty waters come out of his mouth like, a thawing, like, like thunder because that's the Jesus that's gonna help you overcome. That's the one you gotta relate to. He's the one that's, that holds you and loves you with this arm and counsels you and just wraps you up and gives you peace. And he's the one that holds back sin and Satan and the authorities of hell against you. That's, that's what you want. But you've got to be overcoming every day. You've got to be connected. You've got to be all in. I want you to bow your head for just a moment. If you've, you're here today and you have never 
put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ to be your Savior. You, you would say, I am not an overcomer. I have no relationship with this overcoming king. Right now, God wants to change that in your life. He's brought you here. You're here tonight because someone was praying for you. I've, I've been praying for you. I don't even know your name. But I've been praying for two and a half months or longer that you'd be here today. And God of the universe, because of the king of glory, the king, the overcoming king, offers you eternal life, offers you freedom today, offers you forgiveness, offers you a fresh start, offers you new life. Would you pray with me if that's who you are at this moment? Just say, Father, right now, I receive into my life a gift that I don't deserve, forgiveness. Forgiveness of sin. Freedom from sin's grip that it has on me. A promise of eternal life in heaven that I don't deserve. And it was all made possible because of what Jesus did on the cross for me. And today I put all of my life, all of my heart, everything I have, I put it on Jesus. No longer me. And I accept Jesus. I receive Jesus into my life to be my personal Savior. Lord, I want to be an overcomer and I want to be connected to an overcoming King. Thank you right now. Last night there were probably 40, 50 people that prayed that prayer and and literally went from, from death to life in the instant they believed. That's what the Bible says. How many of you just now, you prayed that with me, and with all of your heart, you've said, Lord, I I want to receive Jesus right now to be my personal Lord and Savior into my life. I'm done with this. I'm ready for an overcoming king to rule my life. I want you to raise your hand so I can see who you are all over this auditorium. Amen. Amen. Father, I pray that you would just bless these folks, that you would help them to take their next step with you. Father, I pray for every person in here who, Lord, even though they may be an overcomer, they're not overcoming that they would begin to see you differently, relate to you differently, walk with you differently, dig in, be all in with you differently. Thank you for Jesus, for Jesus in the manger, Jesus the man, Jesus the man on the cross, Jesus the man who came up out of the grave, and Jesus who's ruling and reigning today. We worship him right now. In Jesus' name.